I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Today we are talking about a topic that a lot of runners have experienced before, and that is a bad workout. We've all had those runs where things just don't go our way, and for whatever reason, we do not execute or hit our paces. And so we might title these as bad workouts, right? And sometimes they can really crush our confidence. And so today we wanted to talk a little bit about how to rebound from these bad workouts and why they happen, right? So a lot of people will say that these type of bad workouts maybe come out of the blue or they just really can't get around that mental block of going back out there and undoing that cycle. So once you have one bad workout, sometimes it can lead to this trickle down effect of being in a mental funk and not able to really execute and perform at that high level that you were um, in a good groove of earlier. So we just wanted to chat a little bit about this topic and kind of uncover some mental hacks that would be able to help our athletes and anyone who's listening to rebound from these workouts and just let it roll off your sleeve instead of having it turn into this big um, issue. So Jason is here with me today. He has 12 years of coaching experience. He's coached anywhere from the middle school level um, all the way up to college and then the adult road runners. So he definitely has that vast experience working with runners of all ages and even you know young middle schoolers will have bad workouts and just talking a little bit about the confidence piece in terms of running. Jason, what is your favorite level of athlete to work with when it comes to rebounding from um, bad workouts? Do you find that younger athletes are more resilient or is it just so variable? Yeah, I would say definitely high school or college age for a couple reasons. Obviously, um, when I've coached them in the past, it's been in person. So a lot of times it's easier to coach, um, you know, when you're watching the workout and you're observing things and and then you get to kind of dissect the workout afterwards um, with the athlete. Um, and then they come back the next day, right? And um, and then also, too, they're usually competing more frequently than most adult runners. You know, there's a lot of races on the, on the calendar if you're in season for track or cross country. Um, but I just feel like they're, they're more likely to show up to the next workout kind of forgetting about the last one. And so, uh, whereas I think adults, sometimes we, if our workout doesn't go particularly well, we might be a little nervous kind of heading into our next workout. Um, and so that's, those are kind of some of the reasons why I think it's, it's easier to work with uh, a younger population. 
Yeah, sometimes I do feel like those younger um, athletes are just a little bit more resilient, maybe because they haven't had as many failures, right? Whereas you're getting to like an adult level athlete, um, it's like they've had so many experiences and, and it's just so different than those young athletes. But I love how you talked about working in person with people and being able to almost see on their face um, how they felt about a workout. Because on paper, it might look like, hey, this athlete, you know, if you're coaching online, you might look like this athlete really executed this workout. Uh, they nailed their paces or they came pretty close. But sometimes even in that athlete's head, they're thinking, oh, you know, I felt off or it just didn't go the way that they had planned. And in person, you're able to kind of read their face and understand, hey, they're not feeling great about this workout, or maybe things are just a little off, their attitude is, you can tell is um, a little bit different than it normally is. Whereas online, you're not able to really dissect in and see those things kind of playing out. You're not able to see that maybe that extra rest period that they had to take during the workout, um, or just kind of how emotionally they were looking in their face while they were doing those intervals. So do you think that being able to see people in person, you're able to spot those little attitude and emotional things that come out in workouts as well? Oh yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you're able to see just so much more, right? Like all those things you mentioned. Um, and then you're just able to have dialogue like in person right afterwards. And so they're kind of getting immediate feedback or, you know, if the workout, if it's in the middle of the workout, you might, um, you know, be able to kind of adjust it so that it doesn't um, leave them afterwards feeling like they've been so defeated, you know, and so that's sometimes kind of some of the downfalls of doing online coaching are just that, right? Like we don't know about how the workout's going during the workout for the athlete. We, we only kind of get the recap afterwards. So we do rely a lot on um, comments that they leave in training peaks or also kind of rating the workout on the RPE scale. Yeah, and it's just so different for adult athletes. I know how you said you know, after the workout's done, you have time to actually talk to, you know, these college athletes in person, or if you're in a group in person, it's almost like that camaraderie of everyone saying, oh my gosh, that was such a hard workout. And if someone else is also saying, yeah, it felt really hard for me today too, you're almost like, okay, well, it's not just me. But if you're an adult athlete, you're getting up at five in the morning, going out there doing a workout. Um, sometimes when you walk through that door, you just don't have that time to dissect kind of what happened and, and going over that. Um, dialogue in your head or maybe you don't have a chance to talk to your coach right away so sometimes it's something that like starts replaying in your head um, throughout the day or when you go to revisit it you just kind of don't want to think about it but like you said in training piece I think it's really great that feature where you can rate the workout you can kind of put like a smiley face to it so right. you don't, even if you only have like one minute to do something just putting in um, kind of the rating like what what smiley face is it right that, that mm -hmm. says a lot about how an athlete felt. And then maybe just leaving a few quick, easy comments about how you felt immediately after that workout and just kind of getting pen to paper, right. um, typing out your feelings, kind of letting the coach know where you're at so that you can have that dialogue um, maybe later when you have time and really address those things. Um, because sometimes we just get so stuck in our head. And so are there any moments that you can think of in the recent future or just in your past history as a runner where you personally have had bad workouts and how do you combat that as an athlete yourself? Yeah, it's a, definitely something we've all kind of been through from time to time. And I think I've learned now to 
um, you know, kind of abort the idea of doing a workout if the warm-up's not going well, or um, I'll just assess so many other factors to know if I'm like workout ready on that day, so I can kind of prevent those from happening. Um, but I've definitely had my fair share of them. And thinking back to college, you know, I tell Victoria all the time, I was, I was one in, in practice where a lot of my teammates they could run with me and they would pass me, and I would really struggle to keep up. But for whatever reason during the race, I could, you know, most of the time beat the, the same ones who are keeping up with me in the workouts. And so um, it just maybe was a mindset thing. I wasn't like mentally just ready. I'm not quite sure what it was, but um, there definitely were workouts that I struggled through. And um, typically they would be kind of more of those longer workouts. So like maybe six by one K or, you know, we do some threshold work first and then we'd come in. And so I was probably a little tired because I hadn't quite had a developed, you know, aerobic system. Um, as compared to other kids that maybe train um, higher volume or more mileage. Yeah, I find that really interesting, kind of two points that you noted there. The first was that um, sometimes when you were running with someone on your team, they were always beating you in workouts, but then come race day, you were beating them. But the first thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned was sometimes if you're on a warm-up for your workout like let's say you know you have a workout day it's Tuesday you're already you mm -hmm. everything's going right um and on the warm-up things just feel weird like and you said that you just call the workout like you just don't do it um how would an athlete make that adjustment like how would they know um what to right. do in that situation because you as a coach maybe having so much experience it's like really easy for you but like how would someone apply that to their life yeah good question and you know I think I'm more likely to do that now in my 30s than I was in my 20s just because of, you know, through experience and then really realizing that there's no like hard deadline that I need to be in a certain shape for, um, you know, with COVID and everything, there just haven't been a lot of like races or a races, I guess, on my calendar. So I've had more flexibility in doing so and pushing workouts back a little bit if I'm not feeling optimal. Um, but I would say thinking about the, the night of sleep that you got the, the night before and then um, kind of the breakfast, the hydration. Um, you know, all of those things kind of go into how you feel. And there have been times where I felt awful on warmups and then the workout goes fine. So it's not always an indicator, uh, but just kind of learning about, you know, assessing everything like uh, weather and elevation and all of these things can play a role. And so I guess just through trial and error and, you know, if you notice some tendencies or patterns, um, like at a certain time of the day, if you just struggle to execute workouts or, um, you know, you know, something like that, then I think that you're more likely to be able to catch it in the future. Um, or, you know, sometimes you just push it back a day. Um, maybe you just didn't sleep that well. So you turn it into an easy run or you do a few strides and realize like, hey, I'm not quite ready. Um, maybe I'll wait a day. And that's one thing I've noticed with some of my athletes who I coach one on one is a lot of them are doing a great job, especially in the summer of sort of just making these calls on their own, right? Where they they leave a comment in Training Peak saying, you know, I just felt really drained after the weekend, so I felt it was better to rest today or get a good night's sleep before I attempt this workout. And that's something that I think is great because it teaches runners to be, um, you know, it gives them more autonomy over the running. Um, and, you know, we can always be flexible. So sometimes it's better to trim two workouts for the week down to one and give them a little bit extra rest so that they have a better you know, better experience um, executing that workout as opposed to struggling through two different workouts. Right. That's a really good point. And one of the things that we like to say on our social media page all the time is stress plus rest equals growth. And so, you know, you want to set yourself up for success going into these workouts by giving yourself that recovery time in between workouts. So, 
if you had a bad workout and maybe things just haven't been going great with your training lately, um, taking that extra rest day and kind of reassessing and making sure you can get back on that smooth sailing page before you go and maybe get into that like, oh, I need to punish myself with another workout sort of mentality. Sometimes, like you said, um, even skipping a workout would be um, okay in certain situations. So how would an athlete know if it's time to completely axe the workout off of their training plan or to start playing catch up? Because I know that can be this vicious cycle of, okay, I'm taking an extra rest day. And then it bumps everything in the training plan if you're constantly taking that one extra rest day. Before you know it, you're kind of stuck with, oh, I have to do like four workouts this week because I kept pushing everything back. Um, how do you recommend finding the workout that needs to get bumped and narrowing down like what is the most important workout of the month or of the week or which one can go? Yeah, great question. You know, if you're working with a coach, it's obviously easier just to let let that be in their hands and they'll make the decision for you and, you know, what we think about, I think, in that case is we look at the big picture. So we look at, obviously, what are the athlete's goals? What are they training for? What sort of race distances do they have on the horizon? Um, but if you're kind of self-coach or you're just doing your own thing, you know, it can be tough to make that call. And I think um, you would just, you would want to think about, obviously, the whatever race that you have coming up, whatever the distance is, think about how your recent training has gone. You know, it might be more important for you just to get a long run in instead of the workout if you're training for a marathon um, or even for a half or a full. It might be more important to do like the steady state or more of like a longer, slower tempo as opposed to doing something faster, shorter. And so um, you could think about it as whatever's going to benefit me for, for my race or also um, if you don't have any races happening, it could just be you're going to do the event that challenges you more, maybe what your weakness area is, just so that you're um, putting yourself out there and in, in, in challenging yourself in new ways. That's a great answer. So prioritizing the one that's going to get you kind of the most bang for your buck, um, making sure it's specific to the event that you're training for and really setting yourself up for success in that manner. Um, and it's always better to kind of ax one workout versus loading up all the stress because like I said this could be a trickle down effect and you just want to make sure that you're giving yourself adequate rest and recovery because that's something that's going to set you up for success heading into these workouts. So we haven't really touched on what causes these bad workouts to really happen. I mean obviously if you're not getting sufficient sleep or um, if you're not getting recovery in between your workouts that's going to be one important factor. Um, but there's just so many things that you could pinpoint and say, what is the cause or the reason? I guess we could talk about some of like the physical things that could happen first. Um, what do you find with your athletes are some of the top physical reasons or even new people that come to you, um, as an, as a coach, what are like the physical reasons that people usually struggle with some workouts or they bomb workouts? Yeah, uh, probably most of the time it's going to boil down to like their sleep, nutrition or hydration um, and then weather too. So, and, but again, we can still execute in hot weather, for example, if you're well hydrated. So um, it just kind of depends, but I think those are the ones I'm seeing the most frequently. And a lot of times athletes will call it out themselves. They'll leave the comment and say, you know, I was kind of a little apprehensive about this workout heading into it, knowing I only got this many hours of sleep or whatever. And so, um, you know, I think that, yeah, it, all of these things should be as consistent as your training. So when we think about sleep, we think about your diet and hydration, you want to kind of be consistent. You don't want to just be like, 
um, eating really well for three days and then eating like garbage for three days um, or sleeping nine hours and then sleeping five or six hours. So I think um, the more routine you can have your body be in, I think that that kind of helps. Um, it will kind of know what to, what is expected of it come um, the workout. Yeah, creating those sustainable habits are so important to reaching your potential in the sport. So we all know that like consistency in your running is going to yield to the best results because consistency over time, you know, it's that upward trajectory. But like you said, with the sleep, nutrition, strength training, and all of those little things, they do add up over time. And so it's best to be as consistent as possible with all of those things. So finding a lifestyle where it's not so drastic. And that's why a lot of people recently are kind of going against diet culture and saying, you know what, that's not sustainable to go on um, some sort of diet for, you know, one month and then totally fall off the wagon. It's better to make small adjustments over time, like substituting little things here and there and having something that's sustainable for a lifetime. Um, your body thrives under, you know, that consistency and more of a, a homeostasis of nutrition and exercising on a regular basis. And so I think when you can have all of those things be as consistent as possible, that's going to go a really long way. Uh, but like you said, weather is always a factor. And when it comes down to starting to talk about making adjustments, right? So when weather's a factor, when it's super hot or if it's really cold and the footing's bad, that's when as an athlete or as a coach, you would start to make these pace adjustments. And so that leads into one thing that I notice, um, at least for myself personally, as well as for athletes that I coach, people really struggle, I think, with pacing workouts and knowing when to adjust pacing. Because sometimes if you're forcing like that extra five, 10 seconds per mile, that can go from, you know, that could be the difference between having a great workout versus totally bombing a workout. And so that's why it's really important to nail that pacing. And we talk about this because when it comes down to racing, it's the same thing. If you are to go out a little bit too fast in a marathon, say 15 seconds per mile, that might not sound like a lot, but at the end of the race, that's going to cost you a big amount of time and you're going to finish the race not feeling great, um, probably feeling like you quote unquote blew up. And so that's why it's really important during these workouts to practice pacing. So I know you talked a little bit earlier about how you make adjustments to your workout or you'll, you'll call the workout and kind of quit on a workout if things are feeling not fully recovered. In the instance of adjusting your paces, so if you have a workout, say five by one mile at seven minute pace and you're doing it and it just feels really forced, how do you know when you know, you're know you just kind of being a wimp mentally versus actually I need to kind of adjust paces because maybe I didn't sleep so well, maybe it's right. that time of the month if you're female, uh, maybe the wind is really bad. There's so many things that are hard to measure and there's no yeah. like calculator for it. How do you know what to do? Yeah, good point. You brought up a lot of factors that can play into why the workout may not be going um, according to plan. And I think the answer will depend on, obviously on the athlete, the timing for sure, because if you're doing that workout and you've been pretty well rested, like it's your first workout in a week or whatever, um, you might want the athlete to complete all five, but your adjustment might be more rest or, or slower paces. Um, and so kind of giving that athlete, you know, longer you work with an athlete, um, hopefully you can start to establish what are some of these guidelines that they can kind of incorporate into their own training um, during the workouts because um, there were times where we'd work out with the college kids and I wanted them to hit like 20, 20 by 400 just because I felt like it was there's something uh, mentally tough about achieving that and so 
I didn't care if I needed to give them extra rest or slow down the paces, but they needed to hit all 20 just so that it gave them that kind of confidence. And so there are times where you want to keep the, the, I guess, the volume of the workout the same and you'll adjust the intensity um, or the rest. And then there's times where you're going to completely adjust the, the bulk or the volume of the workout and you might cut it in half. So, you know, maybe instead of doing like, um, I don't know, six by one K, you would do four by one K. And that would be an example of a, quite a big, you know, um, reduction or even just trimming it down by one. And so that'll kind of just depend on, I guess, you know, the, the week leading up to it, maybe what the reason is, um, what factors you're faced on that given day. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think understanding the purpose of the workout can can be huge and, and having that autonomy to make those adjustments. And sometimes when you're working with athletes, maybe they don't know the purpose of the workout. And that's why I think having that open dialogue with your coach, like um, on maybe like a biweekly or a monthly basis, be like, hey, like I know um, I'm working towards a half marathon and we're maybe like 12 weeks out. What exactly is like the main focus of like this month or this week? Like what should I really be focusing on and really knowing um, what right. that main focus is. Um, and it's going to vary from athlete to athlete, month to month. Sometimes athletes really understand, okay, like I'm training for a marathon. The main focus is building endurance and, and that sort of thing. Um, but when you're training for like the one mile, the focus might be vastly different, right? We really want right. to hit like some of these anaerobic, hit on power. So in that case, it's like, well, we do really want you to hit these faster paces and we don't want to like adjust the paces too much because they're already very short and the whole idea is power but maybe we'll make the rest longer um, or maybe we're going to cut a rep or two at the end just because you kind of tapped out on speed. But when it comes to like these longer events, um, like a marathon, for example, if you have an 18 miler on the schedule, we're not going to like cut the workout down to 14. Um, it would be better for you to just kind of slow down that pace and make sure you're, you're going the distance and building that endurance because the goal there is to, get the time on your feet, get the mileage and worry about, you know, pacing right. later. It's better to build that aerobic engine and that aerobic base. Um, but there's just so many variables at play, but I think giving the athlete that autonomy to make those decisions, um, on the fly when they're in the workout, um, and make adjustments can be huge and key. But regardless, even if you do make those adjustments, right? So you might have that four by one mile, and you were supposed to run seven minute pace, let's say you did make those, the adjustments. Let's say it was hot out, you weren't feeling great. You made an adjustment and you hit all of them at like 7.15 pace. Part of me wants to say that almost all athletes would be somewhat disappointed with that just because it didn't match up with the expectations. And I think right. anytime you have expectations and you don't mm. meet them, that's where people start to have some sort of you know, disappointment or they start maybe judging themselves because whenever you're talking about expectations, there's always that judgment component there. Mm -hmm. So how do you help an athlete navigate through um, the judgment of, you know, your runs or those expectations and managing that? Yeah, it is definitely a tough, um, you know, it's kind of a slippery slope, right? And I think that we've obviously all been there and we've done races even where, you know, conditions were tougher than we thought, right? Of course had way more hills than we thought, or it was way hotter than we thought. And so a lot of times we are satisfied with our effort because we knew we did our best on that given day. And I think just reminding them of that and um, letting them know, like, just because this workout went this way does not mean that the next one might go the same way. Um, how many times have we bounced back and, and crushed our next workout? I'm sure that's happened to people or their next race. And so, 
Um, I think we just have to look at, you know, like all those factors and like where you are within your training cycle um, or your racing cycle because, um, you know, a lot of times we just need to zoom out, think about the big picture. Like you're still building your foundation. Um, you're still going to continue um, learning and growing as a runner. And so um, just not being too hard on yourself. To me, that adjustment, 715 to 7, I mean, that's that's hardly nothing. I've seen athletes make 30 to 40 second adjustments for tempo runs. And um, so I think that just putting in perspective, like, hey, it's even the elites do this from time to time. And I know for a fact, I've read a lot of books where they talk about workouts that have had to be um, adjusted midway through. And then obviously we, we know those work, workouts where the athlete chooses to exceed the paces as well because they're feeling really good. And, um, you know, anytime you do that, then we might have to start thinking about how do we adjust on the days following because we want to make sure that your your body's getting the rest that it needs. Right. I definitely <clears throat> agree with you on, you know, adjusting from 7-minute pace to 7.15. Still a huge success, but I do think that there are, you know, those runners can just be that type A personality, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit too hard on themselves. Even if they say, yeah, oh, I'm not disappointed or, yeah, that was a great – Sometimes there's that little like twinge within you where it's like, oh, but, um, and that's where we really want to focus our attention on because that can be as big as, okay, you know, it's at a four by one mile, seven minute pace and you ended up doing like 715, 738, nine minute yeah. pace, walking home, right? There's that type of workout. Like there's right. other types where like you get to the track, you can't even get through a half mile and, and you just like walk home. Um, and then there's like those slight ones where it's like, ah, I just missed my paces a little bit. Um, and we've all had, you know, varying degrees of those type of workouts. And it's just really tough because it is when you have like those expectations and they, things just don't go as planned. And I think as runners, we just really need to be more focused on the process versus, you know, the outcome. And I know a lot of athletes, they love to talk about like what their goals are. And it's always like these time-based things. And it's always focused on, you know, the outcome and just having like this goal time and, and achieving this certain outcome. So it seems like you're putting in all this work to get this outcome. And if it, if it doesn't match up with exactly what you were expecting it to be, um, I think that's where people can start to, to feel a little bit disappointed and maybe have those sort of hurt feelings when it comes to their performance. But those workouts, like you were saying, if you're going to a race and it's really hot and you know you gave the best that you can on that given day um, and being okay with that, that's where the magic of the sport really happens. Because sometimes it's not when you go out and run you know, your four by one mile repeats like five seconds per mile faster. Like that's not necessarily the definition of a great workout. Um, a great workout can be, you know, hey, I wasn't as negative as I normally am during mm -hmm. this workout. There can be other outcomes besides the paces you hit for the workout. It can be, um, you know, feeling stronger. It can be, you know, on your cool down feeling like you could keep going. It could be at the end of your fourth rep feeling like, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to make it through this workout, but I did. And just having those small little wins within a workout and within your training cycle and focusing on that can sometimes help you reach that next level. Because like we're saying, you can't always control the outcome of the times you're hitting within these workouts. But if you look in and you try to focus on other parts of what could be defined as success, and those little things here and there, that's where you can start to build that positive momentum. So is there anything that you do in particular when you're making these adjustments to not hyper-focus on, oh, you know, my split was five seconds, yeah. 10 seconds per mile slower than I wanted, 
what are some things that you focus on or you look to instead of those time-based outcomes? Yeah, I always approach workouts with like an effort mindset and I'm not focused on on splits. You know, unless I'm on a track, I'm, I can do the math in my head pretty good, obviously. But I never really look at like the distance I covered if I'm doing a time-based workout. And so I think that that helps me. And I'll just make sure I ease into the workout. And I want to, um, you know, do the first one as sort of like a warm-up, get a feel for like how I'm feeling on that day. And then I can kind of assess like, okay, is this going to be something that I can, you know, um, be a little more aggressive on the second rep or should I kind of scale back, that sort of thing. And so I think it's perfectly okay to ease into your workout, um, hit your first rep a little bit slower than what's prescribed and then kind of assess from there. Like, can you do however many more at that, at a faster pace or should you kind of just uh, do it at the same pace um, and then just make that decision there? Right, and I do think that's kind of an advanced level of, um, of doing workouts, right? So if you can ever think back to when you first started running or how do you learn what these paces are? Because some of the athletes that we work with, it's like they feel so dedicated to staring at that watch, Mm -hmm. making sure they're hitting that pace because they really don't know kind of what different paces feel like. So I guess just going down the list of maybe what should a speed workout feel like? What should a threshold run feel like? What should an easy run feel like? I don't know if that's helpful maybe Mm -hmm. for our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I always think of, you know, easy run should be about 5 out of 10 or even less. So when you think about effort, you know, 50% effort should be sustainable for quite a while. You're you're able to, you know, breathe and carry on a conversation, hopefully. Um, And then, you know, kind of like a tempo, I'd say, depending on the effort, it could range from a 6 all the way up to like a a 7.5 or so. And I think that that, you know, that should be moderately um, like a medium effort um, um, workout or style of workout. Um, and then obviously there's more, you know, there's more layers in here. I'm just kind of covering the basics. Um, threshold would probably be like an eight and then speed workouts could any be anywhere from like an eight to a nine and a half. So it really just kind of depends on, um, what the purpose of the workout is, but you're never really feeling like you are, um, you know, running out of 10, we're saving those race efforts for race day. And I think, um, even if you're doing like a quality speed workout, you know, starting out, making the first set feel like an eight out of 10, should be doable so that you feel like you can continue um, to hit however many reps you have on, on the schedule for that day. Yeah, and visualization is huge here. So when you're mm-hmm. talking about the effort-based scale, sometimes that's just so variable and some people have a hard time like wrapping their head around exactly like what does a seven feel like. So when I'm running and doing these workouts, if I have a steady state run or something that's marathon pace effort, I will put myself in, okay, what am I going to look like, feel like on race day if I'm at mile eight of a marathon and what sort of pace would I want to be running? What sort of effort would I want to be running? And so I kind of take myself there. I visualize what the course might look like. I visualize how I would want to be feeling in those miles. And I let my body just dictate okay, what, what pace are we running today? And usually that's a good ballpark for, you know, marathon pace. And then if you go to tempos or thresholds, same can be said true. Um, you never want to finish a threshold workout feeling like you can't do another wrapper that you physically couldn't speed up because then you're defeating the purpose of the threshold. Uh, when it comes to threshold pace, that is the pace that you can race at for one hour in duration. So for someone who is a 130 half marathoner, you're maybe looking at about a 640 pace for 
uh, a threshold workout. That's about what you would be able to hold if you went to a 60 minute race. So 640 mm-hmm. pace. Uh, mm-hmm. But th- if you're going up a hill, if you're going down a hill, if it's windy, all these factors will influence what that pace is at any given moment. And so what you want to ask yourself instead is, okay, if I was at this 60 minute race, how would I want to be feeling? Um, and so for some athletes that might be, okay, a 10 K, you know, maybe they cover a 10 K in an hour. And so you just think, how do I want to feel in a 10 K for me? I'm always like, how do I want to feel during a 10 mile race roughly or a 15 K? Um, and being able to kind of put yourself in that moment, it not only can help you with pacing, right? Because you're able to like think about, okay, if I was in a race, well, what I want to feel like, but you're also doing that visualization exercise. And they say that people who visualize their success, um, they actually Mm -hmm. become more successful. So you're having that visualization of feeling strong in a race and how you want to feel and how you're in control. Um, and those are all really good things. I think that athletes can, can practice and definitely an applicable tip. So next time you're in a workout, just kind of visualizing how you want to feel like and what the purpose of the workout is and then visualizing yourself in a race. And even if you don't have, um, you know, like a 60 minute race on the calendar, you can still like put yourself in the future, right? Like two years, like let's say, and you're doing that 10 mile race or you're doing a seven mile race randomly, um, whatever it may be, you can always just kind of make up a scenario in your head and visualize it there. So do you ever do any sort of visualization like that? Or do you have any sort of positive mantras that you say to yourself? Or what are some of the things that get you through those harder workouts? Yeah, you brought up a good point. And I do that a lot. Probably every workout actually is I, I relate that to what I would feel like during a race, right? So, um, you know, I'm kind of old now. I'm not doing anything at like mile pace anymore. So that's really the only like really hard workouts I would probably do. Um, 5k pace, you know, I'm thinking if I'm doing something at 5k effort, you know, and it's, it's lasting like three to four minutes at a time. I just remind myself like, well, you could run this pace if you had to for 16 minutes or so on a you know, at a real race. And so just kind of going through that mindset of like, just, this is just a small chunk at, at this effort. Um, where you would sustain this pace for a lot longer in the race. And so doing the same thing with all the distances, really, um, you know, a three mile steady state should feel, should feel pretty easy. And sometimes if I see an athlete struggle through one of those, then that to me, that's, that could be a red flag that uh, we have their paces too fast, or they're just, um, putting a lot of pressure on themselves to like execute a certain pace. Maybe, maybe they're uh, running slightly too fast. Um, or there's some of those other factors we've talked about too, like uh, weather or sleep and nutrition and all those things were off. So um, as far as like positive mantras, I guess just always thinking about conserving energy. You know, I think about like cell phone charge or cell phone battery, I guess. I think about the battery and I just think like, oh, I want to be, I want to be running at like half full or right now or, or 70% charge, that sort of thing. And so I just think about that as not emptying the tank. Um, and then on those certain workouts, um, when you really do want to exert, you know, close to like a 90% on the, on the effort scale, um, that, that I just think gets easier over time to do because you've gotten really good at, um, sort of controlling yourself under, um, other conditions too, like running at 60% and 70% and so on. Yeah, definitely keeping the effort scale in, in the picture and focusing on those things can be a huge game changer for athletes and definitely something that we recommend in terms of learning how to pace is going off of the effort-based scale and not not so much focusing on the pace on your garment especially like when you're in the workout 
Um, but I know me having an accounting background and really being like numbers focused, I maybe will be okay during the workout to not obsess over paces. But then later as you're like analyzing your training cycle or you're looking and maybe you think back to, oh, I did this workout six weeks ago. And like you go back and, and you're looking and you realize, oh, like I actually ran slower today than I did, you know, the last time I did this workout. Or you thinking back to past workouts and you're, you're doing this sort of analysis paralysis in your, in your mind. And it can kind of be a blow to the confidence um, in certain situations. It can also be a confidence booster, right? So how do you navigate those waters when someone is just not seeing the improvement um, from workout to, to workout or they're judging themselves based on like the paces that they hit in a workout and they're looking back, oh, like back in my glory days, you know, I, I hit these paces in a workout. How do you kind of tie that, especially in certain situations? I know that you, for example, it's like, you kind of know, okay, I'm never going to PR in the one mile 5k again. I think you've said that in, in previous podcast episodes, but like if you were really like gunning for, you know, a marathon PR and like you were doing all these workouts and then you looked back at like the workouts you were doing when you ran your marathon PR like eight years ago and you realize like, oh, like I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm not hitting the same paces that I, that I was. And other than that, your confidence was there and like your fitness is there, but you start having these doubts because like, oh, right. you know, eight years ago, I actually did this workout better and maybe I'm not in the shape that I thought I was in. And you start having those sort of um, like wandering thoughts yeah. and doubts. So how does someone like combat those? Well, you know, when you're thinking about longer races like that, um, you know, we know a lot needs to go right on race day to have a good, a good performance. And it doesn't matter so much what kind of shape you're in years ago. Um, you, if you just been putting in the work consistency over time is going to pay off for you. And so you may show up and just crush it on marathon day. As long as you train smart and you're healthy, I think those are two huge advantages. Um, and then, like you said, the confidence piece is, is probably even bigger. So maybe you're more confident now than you were back then, but yeah, you, you're not quite as fit. You're not hitting those same workouts. Um, and for me, it'd be easy to, to compare because back then I wasn't really doing like marathon uh, specific work. I was doing a lot of just kind of like, uh, in between like what I would call speed endurance and maybe threshold <laughs> work. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, mile repeats is probably like the longest that I would do for workouts back then. And so, um, you know, a couple ways to really think about, um, your current fitness would be just to not compare yourself to the past, but to set, um, set realistic goals, like, uh, maybe, just comparing where you were like a month ago or, you know, your last race or whatever, um, unless it's been years since your last race. But so setting more like realistic short-term goals, I guess, would be what I would focus on, not like those long-term goals. And I do have some guys right now I'm working with who are pretty fast back in like their 20s. Um, and now they're just trying to get back to like running consistently again. And even I think getting within 20 or 30 minutes of their marathon PR would, would make them happy. And so I think big picture over, over uh, long-term, you know, we can maybe get back there someday, but it is a long road and just continuing to be as positive and, and, um, be as positive as you can with your workouts and reflecting on the training and knowing that you might develop in other areas that you used to lack in. Yeah. I love how you talked about developing in other areas that maybe you were lacking in before. And so sometimes we're looking and we're trying to compare, you know, workout now versus like 2016 and we're like, Oh, we're not mm -hmm. as fast as we once were. Or even like a couple weeks back, it's like so many things can change in a week. Right. So, or like six weeks. Right. 
you might be under a lot more accumulated fatigue and that's purposeful. And so maybe your legs are heavier, you know, maybe you did a 20 mile or two weeks before right. this workout and the last one you did on fresher legs. So there's just so many variables. So it's really hard to sit there and play that comparison game because you're never comparing two exactly same scenarios, right? Um, the weather is a factor. Your sleep is a factor. And unless you're keeping like such a diligent log of like, the last two weeks, I have this many miles on my legs, and this is what I ate the night before, and this is how many hours I slept, um, and this is actually how I felt during the workout, and, and this is how my breathing was. You're never going to really recall those facts, and the further away you're getting from when you did that last workout, the more blurred everything becomes. And I know personally for me, having two postpartum comebacks in the last uh, like four years now, I, I know starting over can be very challenging and you have to kind of face those factors of comparing yourself and, and letting kind of go of that comparison and not judging one thing from another. And what I do know is that first time I was having a comeback, I would always be comparing to the past. I always wanted to know like the type of paces and what I was hitting in workouts. And I just became really fixated on it and I couldn't understand like why I was not as fast and I was always just obsessing over it. Um, it was just all I really thought about after a workout. I'd look back at past workouts, you know, two years prior and be like, oh, I just used to hit, you know, this 800 meter workout so fast and I just don't have that speed anymore. Even though I was putting in all of the work, I was doing the workouts, I felt really fit, but it's just like that 10, 15 seconds per mile, I just felt it's just not there. Um, but finally I just kind of like let it go and I realized, Hey, you don't actually remember how you felt during those workouts. And what I can recall is that there were some workouts that I was racing, right. That were like all out efforts. I was huffing and puffing. I was keeling over. I like couldn't breathe after threshold workouts. Right. And so I was doing these workouts inappropriately for several years and I didn't really know that. And then when you come to this postpartum comeback, I was doing workouts at the correct paces. I was giving myself adequate recovery. And so on paper, it might have looked like, oh, you know, she's she's not hitting like as fast of paces. But then when it came time to start doing some of the races when I was about one year postpartum, it's like PR'd in every single event. And so just because on paper, maybe you're not running as many miles as you once were, and maybe you're not hitting like the fastest splits that you ever have before that doesn't mean that you're not in the best shape you ever have been because there are plenty of times where it looks like someone on Strava or like someone on Instagram is in like killer shape right but it comes down to are you you know training correctly are all of the things actually coming together because right. sometimes you can have the stellar training on paper it can look like you're super fit but that's because you're like going out there and you're you're gunning it and you're racing workouts and so you're not actually improving and you don't actually have that next gear for race day. And I can say this because I did that. Like I've been there. That was, you know, five, six years ago now. I kind of got caught up in the, oh, I want all my runs to be like at this pace and, and I, I want to like get faster. So I'm going to like hammer these workouts and you kind of sustain your fitness for a while. So you can be like pretty fit, but eventually like really slight minor decrease in speed here and there. Um, and you just can't sustain that level of training and not giving yourself that adequate recovery over the long term. And so the best way to be successful is just to, 
you know, maybe you need to start a new page and maybe this is where you're starting to realize, hey, in the past, maybe I was racing my workouts. Maybe I haven't been doing these things appropriately. The cool thing about running is that you can always start over and you can always start applying these new principles. Um, and maybe that's something that you used to be able to get away with when you were like in your early 20s or maybe even late 20s. You, you could just go out there and hammer it all the time because I know that's probably why I did it. I was, uh, I don't know, like 24 years old when I was kind of at the peak of doing that where it was just like hammering workouts. But as you get older, maybe you just need to start making some adjustments to your training because you can't get away with it as much. And so that's where we really like to have people apply some of these principles and just see how you feel doing workouts at like 80% effort versus 100% effort. So I don't know if you can relate to any of that, Jason, or if you coach any athletes that have had similar experiences or words of wisdom for our audience. Well, I mean, you said a lot of good things there. And I think, you know, watching you come back from postpartum two different times, it's, you know, it's not just that you approached your running workouts with a smarter mindset, but I think it was, it was just, you saw the big puzzle, right? And how it all fit together. So your strength training was always on point. You did the little things like yoga, the sleep, the nutrition, like all these things helped you. And I think, yeah, that, that just builds you up um, for success long term because you're not running on, you're not crossing over the red line frequently. You know, you're just staying right below it. You're kind of doing your workouts. The stress plus rest equals growth um, equation is going to work for you longer as opposed to someone that is only focused on running and only focused on the workouts, right? So um, I like how you said just um, putting some other uh, principles into your training. So it could be just little things that you maybe haven't done before, like spending some time doing some mobility work or um, form drills can really go a long way um, if you're kind of reaching a plateau. Um, and maybe sometimes just running a little bit less, doing less mm -hmm. volume and focusing these this energy, these efforts into things like strength training or yoga or even like cross training can actually make you stronger and um, could kind of give your body the break that maybe it needs. And then when you go back, you get in a new training cycle, you might even feel, you know, you might feel even better. And so um, I really like a lot of points that you brought up. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, definitely something to reflect on and think about, like, are you doing, you know, if you care so much about your running, there's a lot that goes into it that can make you a better runner more so than just running. And yeah. are you willing to do those things? Definitely a lot of good points there. And like those little things that you don't think are going to make a huge difference, they really do. And so I don't want to attribute like it to any one thing, but for me personally, I know back when I was having a lot of really bad workouts. So this whole podcast episode is about like rebounding from bad workouts. And, you know, in recent history, I can't really think of any bad workouts I've had because I don't like I'll, I'll make the adjustments like we kind of talked about earlier in this podcast but like back in like 2015 2016 I had so many bad workouts it was right. all the time it was like almost every single workout was like classified as like somewhat bad mm -hmm. um maybe because I was like forcing it a little bit too much so if you find that you're kind of like on this cycle of like every workout feels like a disappointment I think just having that adjustment mindset and allowing yourself to hey like if you need to do the warm-up slower that's okay if you need to go on your easy runs slower that's you know a good thing and so just for context sake in 2016 every single run that I did was like faster than eight minute pace even on easy days and I was consistently running like a 326 328 marathon um even though that was you know 12 10 minutes slower than my PR then it's like fast forward to now it's like I run my easy pace at 9, 30, 10 minute pace some days. 
And so when it looks like it on paper, it's like, whoa, she, you know, she's not as fit, but it's because I'm doing that, you know, with a purpose and an intention. And, you know, it's hard as it is to slow down and to see those sort of, I mean, I run slower on some of my easy days than I did when I was like nine months pregnant, right? So it's just for context, it's like just making those adjustments and being okay with slowing down and accepting that like, hey, maybe what I did in the past like isn't really serving me anymore. So you just have to really nail down what your goals are. So if you want to start having like really positive experiences on your workouts, I think when you go out on your easy runs, having that in mind and visualizing that. So on my easy runs, I will think, how do I want to feel on my next workout? And I will visualize into that future and what do I need to do today to feel good for that workout coming up? And so you're just always being cognizant of each run has a purpose and there's a purpose of those easy runs. And so however slow you need to go to make sure you're going to feel good for your workout, that's how slow you should go. Whereas in the past, I was like, well, you know, my easy pace is, you know, 755 to like, you know, 8, 840 pace. So I'm going to go exactly 755 and I'm going to speed up at the end because I feel good or I just, you know, I want to feel fit or whatever. You just like rationalize all these kind of silly things. And then when I went for my workout days, I just felt totally trashed. My legs were heavy. And, you know, on paper, it, it maybe looked like, you know, I was doing reasonable things. I was staying about two minutes per mile slower than my 5k PR pace but it's just not it wasn't enough to allow me to recover so I think leaning into some of these principles and being able to really like trust the training and go through that process of every run having a purpose and really setting an intention before you head out the door and say whoa 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 you know, I think maybe I've been going too fast on my easy days. I really want to feel good for my workout coming up. So today I'm going to go slower on purpose. And there's that pressure, I think, on social media or on Strava. And I don't know how relevant this is um, anymore just because I'm not as present in that anymore. But I think that it's so prevalent. So is that something that you, you've you ever experienced or you think that some athletes struggle with is like making these adjustments so that you're hearing this podcast and you want to make adjustments, but you're worried about like what people are going to see like on Strava or like that your paces are slowing down and you won't be able to post on Instagram or whatever. Is that <laughs> even a thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it is for a lot of people, right? I know when it first kind of came out, you know, I was that way with posting workouts um, just because I saw people who were very similar. Uh, they had very similar race results to me um, and they were posting their workouts. So I kind of just wanted to feel like, oh, I can I can hit those paces, too. You know, and so, you know, I think over time, I just realized that 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 wasn't that wasn't really serving me well. It's not the most important thing. Um, and I I just think that if if you're someone that maybe struggles to find motivation to get out the door on your workout days or you're sort of like dreading it. There's sort of this like just this negative cloud around, oh gosh, here's a workout today. Um, I think if you can ever get to a place where you actually look forward to it um, and you're excited about it, I think that's going to serve you well because you're going to finish those workouts feeling a lot more like accomplished and you're going to take the positives out of it, right? And so I have some athletes where it's like they can kind of bomb a workout, but they still leave something positive in their description or in their recap. And so I appreciate that. And I think that that really helps them uh, not get too hung up on one specific workout, helps them kind of get, you know, move on and get ready for the next one. And so whatever you need to do to start looking forward to your workouts and, and thinking this is an opportunity for me to grow as a runner, um, do that. And for us, I know we've we've done that over the past few years just with like 
selecting a new route or an exciting route or area to run that kind of gets us more jacked up or, um, you know, wearing your favorite pair of shoes, that sort of thing, or just doing something slightly different with your pre-run more, uh, routine, that sort of thing. Right. Focusing on the positives can be huge. And I love how you talked about some of your athletes leaving those comments. They might have a terrible run, but they still find something positive to say about it. And I think that those are the runners who are really resilient and they're, they're in it for like longer term is the people who can find those like positives out of a million negatives. Right. So, you know, when it's really cold around here, I always just say to myself like, wow, like it's, you know, like negative 20 Fahrenheit outside wind chill. Like that'll be so cool. Like what should I wear? And just coming up with like adventurous ways and like curious ways to, to attack things rather than being like, Oh, you know, it's, negative 20 again it's gonna be so cold and I'm gonna just dread this run I'm gonna run so slow just kind of spinning some sort of positive or just like a curiosity or a neutral light on things can really help a lot um and and just doing it for yourself right so only you really know the situation of your training of your run maybe your coach knows but only you really know like what you go through in a day and so like you were talking about the comparison trap on Strava and how you kind of got wrapped up with that when it first came out in 2015 2016 um I I used to get really just caught up in that too because there'd be certain people that I would run next to you in races and so it's like you follow them because like you're really interested in their training because like they're just as fast as you maybe a little bit faster than you and you want to know like what are they doing to to get this fast how do they have this extra edge and what I've learned over the years is that some people they just are more naturally talented maybe and they don't maybe need to put in the same work that you do and their situation is so vastly different and a lot of the people who will run the same times as me on race day their training looks so different um just coming at it from so many different perspectives right some of them have been running literally their whole life and so they can maybe like get away with running 20 miles a week and running a 315 marathon um, others, it's like they're running like 80 miles a week mm-hmm. and their training looks a little bit similar to mine in terms of easy days, easy, hard days, hard. Um, but it's like they're doing way more volume because they they need to put in more work than I do. Um, and then there's other people where maybe they're doing just a variation of doing more of their runs at like an aerobic steady state pace, not ever really doing um, a lot of hard workouts. And so what you might find out there if you're following a lot of people that some people will just like run in the gray zone and I know we talk a lot about like avoiding that gray zone for a lot of reasons but a lot of runners run in the gray zone and I used to do it almost everyone I know has done it at one point or another the gray zone isn't horrible but what happens is a lot of stagnation so people will say oh you know I peaked at running um, I, I've reached my potential and then there they are running the same pace every single solitary day yeah. in this gray zone where in reality, if they were to polarize their training, do more of like the easy days, easy, hard days, hard, they would be stressing their body in new ways to elicit a stress response. And so some people, they just don't want to do that anymore. And that's totally fine. Right. So it's like, yeah, run, run whatever pace. You just don't know why people run is kind of like what I'm getting to. So some people might just be running. They might just be going out there for the sake of running. And as I've gotten to know some of these people that that race next to me on race day, that's really the case with some of them. And so it's like for maybe years on end, I was comparing myself to these people online. Um, but they were just going out there running to run. They were never trying to like really train that hard. They were just trying to log all these miles and, and run outside. They just enjoy being out in nature. And so it's like you really have to know what their intention is and, and 
all of those things before you can like start comparing your training to someone else's but I don't ever really recommend comparing training to anyone else's and that's why I think Strava is so so challenging and same with social media I mean we're such social creatures by nature um, and and whenever you're looking at someone else's feeds of anything it's like it's bringing out that right. judgment and like that whole comparison thing um, so I think just being cognizant if you're if you start to get those thoughts um, to just redirect or to maybe like get off of there for a little bit um, maybe when you do log on to these social media accounts go on there with intention and say okay like my intention coming on here is maybe to to give some people some kudos to maybe socialize uh, leave some comments but don't don't go on there and like start analyzing people's training and then like looking at your own training that that sort of like rabbit hole um, I don't think is really productive for anyone uh, but I know it's, it's an easy easy trap to get caught into so do you have any last minute things or advice in terms of rebounding from workouts or the social media topic well just to add to that about comparing yourself and how you shouldn't really fall into that trap is you know I think back to my 20s when I'd run into like local um, runners that were better than me and some were a lot better than me some were just a little bit better than me and I'd maybe if you got to running with them on a warm-up or cool down you know a lot of the common questions that we'd ask each other or I would ask them because I'm curious right would be like um, what's your weekly mileage and what was like your hardest workout leading it up to this race and I just wanted to like know how hard they were training to get to that level and then I could like tell myself like oh I could do that workout or no, I could never do that type of volume of work. Um, and so it just like, it's it's just really bad, I think, to do that. Because like you said, there's so much, so much that goes into like the reasons why people run and um, so many other like life demands and factors that I just think it's best to, you know, as I'm getting into my 30s, like now I would ask more about like their family or their job. Like it's not going to be running related anymore. And it's just funny, like um, that that's kind of all I cared about was was like the workouts and just like I thought that that made the runner would be like if you can run this workout this equates to this sort of race performance and then I soon realized like that that's not the case at all and I've had races where I feel like I barely train and I showed up and I surprised myself and I think that that kind of taught me like hey it's it's okay to not always be redlining and to just be enjoying kind of the process and setting maybe some goals that are a little bit smaller more attainable and I think that you can have more fun doing that long term um, and so always just trying to find like the silver lining, even, even if a workout doesn't go very well, um, or you didn't hit the paces that you wanted to hit, maybe you just find that small silver lining, maybe you did your last one the fastest, or you were at least consistent throughout something like that. Yeah, I think that's pretty funny about asking what workouts they were doing. And I couldn't help but laugh a little bit because it's so relatable. I mm -hmm. definitely went through a period of time where that's all I I thought too. I was like, okay, well, as long as I like run this one workout, that means on race day I'm gonna be able to do X Y Z performance. And it's just funny because you realize it doesn't actually work out that way. You can sit there and like gun all these workouts and try to like kill yourself to to reach a certain time and in a certain workout. But um, if you're not doing the workout purposefully um, the correct way, it's not actually gonna lead to anything on race day because you're not gonna have that extra gear on race day. So with all of that being said, um, I think it's time to kind of wrap this one up. Uh, as you guys know, we are run coaches here at Run for PRs. There are several other coaches here as well who all have great backgrounds and a lot of coaching experience um, and who can help you navigate these things. So a lot of this boils down to sometimes people just want to like work with a coach and chat things over and having someone kind of in your court to, to maybe talk you off the ledge, right? So there's been so many times where I've had a workout that I 
that I just really wanted some encouragement or just someone to like bounce some ideas off of. And that's why a coach can be great and they can help you um, navigating these waters in terms of making the adjustments and finding out um, what workouts work best for you and how you can really like reach the next level with your training and being there to navigate some of these mental things that happen as a result of um, less than, than perfect workouts, right? So if that's something that you're interested in, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day trial working with a coach. Again, that's www.runforprs.com, and we would love to get you set up and started working with a coach. Thanks for tuning in.